Hello and welcome to the 100 Day Writing Challenge, day 51. Yesterday I got very sort of serious and philosophical and got you to reflect on the differences between goals and values and to write a bit about what you value in writing. Not a traditional creative writing exercise, I grant you, but then this is not a traditional creative writing course. Look at me, aren't I a wily iconoclast? And, and we're going to pivot in the second half of this course towards some more introspective stuff, not in the navel-gazing sense and, and, and not in the sense of turning it all into a big sort of self-directed therapy session. Um, but, you know, the, the, it's going to involve entirely, as in the first half, exercises keen with purpose. But coming up, we're going to be, our journey is going to be taking us um, towards some work unlocking the power of, of memoir, you know, taking experiences from your own life as a basis and spinning them out into material, finding this kind of like alchemy in creative writing where you can take personal experience, could be good or bad or just neutral, you know, and um, and, and using them as the kind of like a raw putty of putting together a story. I realise like putty is not the same as it's not a synonym for clay, is it? Putty is, you know, you can link bricks, but you still need the bricks. So I guess it's... And it feels like bricks are a bit more substantive, doesn't it? So maybe putty wasn't the... Look, basically, we're going to be taking the substance of your life and transmuting it into the smooth, creamy mashed potato of fiction. Uh, and we might step sideways into a little poetry, uh, which you might think of as the sort of gravy uh no it's not a good metaphor is it um and i think really you know i think we'll be using what we've already covered as these great concrete foundations sunk into the ground these great pilings uh, upon which you can build work and habits and ways of creating that feel meaningful and valuable to you personally and and also looking at what you might like to do with your writing you know like where you might like to take it this isn't, I'll just sort of like repeat this again. Uh, I hope I don't sound arrogant, but I know from like letters I get and stuff that sometimes I underestimate how much authority I convey in some of these things because I just think I'm just like, I'm just like, you know, random fucko here in my office, right? Just saying stuff at you, right? Who am I? Who am I, right? So I, I know I'm, I know I'm just some dowdy guy, right? But I forget that like, because people are nice and because I spend time on this and people, you know, we spend time and I talk to you, right? Sometimes, you know, people place weight on my words. So I, I only say these things because I want to be conscientious about it. You know, this course is not about your pleasing me, Tim Clare. It's certainly about not about your fulfilling some externally mandated ideal of what creativity or fiction ought to be. You know, I, if I can do anything at all, it'd be to like liberate you from your sort of sense of being constrained by those models if you know if i can at all of course we you know it's nice to have guides it's nice to have sort of templates that can take away some of the effort because we have little channels to work our writing down but you know i'd like you to feel like you don't owe anyone anything you know like i, I think what i'd like this course to be about is you're coming out the tail end of this 100 days with a clear idea of what matters to you empowered by some practical craft fundamentals with a suite of strategies available to you going forward. That is the most corporate speak I've ever come out with on this podcast. Wow. A new record. Achievement unlocked. 
Because that's the other thing about turning towards values rather than goals, right? How you step into or embody values is a much more flexible process than just fulfilling the kind of like order of goals, right? Like you, like you have options. You have multiple pathways to embodying and uh, uh, fulfilling and living a value, you know. It, it encourages you to engage your creative divergent thinking. Instead of thinking, am I there yet, which is a sort of binary evaluation mode, you're either there or you're not, and for the majority of the time the answer will be no, um, you're encouraged to think, where are my opportunities to turn towards this value? The value of creating joyfully. The value of acting brave, bravely and mischievously. The, the va value of honouring my fellow human beings. The, the value of sticking up for people without a voice, you know, or whatever yours are. You know, I know those sound a bit lofty, nothing wrong with lofty um, values at all. And of course, you know, you might hear your inner voice say precisely that. You might hear your inner voice go, oh, oh come on, you sound so pretentious. Oh, this is all vague waffle and corporate speak. Oh, God, you sound like a motivational speaker at a work team building retreat. And, and yes, thank you, inner voice. Thank you for wanting to protect me. You're quite right to observe that corporate speak has co-opted a lot of language and then not always employed it with the best interests of the individuals it sells those ideals back to, you know, in mind. You know, a business often appropriates concepts like these about, you know, values and, you know, working towards, you know, your best self and... um it tries to apply them to making people more compliant producers of capital within the strictures of the company and the larger capitalist industrial system. And writing advice, writing courses, look, let's be honest, let's do this with our eyes wide open, yeah? They can do this too, if we're not careful. I've taught creative writing retreats and you can feel like you're offering people this transformative chance to discover themselves. Oh, let's talk about writing. Let's like, let's embrace your creative side. But just like a fish doesn't notice it's surrounded by ocean, it's easy as a tutor, and I've failed at this, you know, to miss that you spend a week valuing someone solely by their creative output and the extent to which they embody the identity of writer. A value is not an identity. Be very clear on that. I hope as you write a bit more and hopefully enjoy it and see some things come out that make you think, oh, that isn't half bad that you don't get too caught up in the trap of over-identifying with this possibly new persona, me, the writer. I've been guilty of this as well so often, you know, as a writer, believe me, sometimes I imagine what I do is unbelievably beguiling and exotic, and I have bored the socks off extended family members and very indulgent friends from back home, regaling them with unsolicited updates from the life of a writer at the slightest provocation. And that's to do with my insecurity, it's to do with feeling that who I am, just normal old Tim, is somehow insufficient, you know, that I'm a bit pointless if I'm not writing. You know, it's about feeling like I have to perform to earn a position of worth and value to not be sort of wasting people's time by being in their presence. You know, I sometimes feel, look, I'm saying beneath the sushi conveyor belt of drab literary anecdotage, I want to say to those people, oh, look, I, 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 I done good. 
I'm not a complete waster. You can stop worrying about me. Now, I'm quite aware that for you, the idea of fusing with the identity of real, genuine, legitimate writer might be so far away as to seem absurd. Your problem might be you feel utterly unworthy of that heritage, that mantle of calling yourself a writer. It might make you flinch just to imagine calling yourself a writer. You know, it'd be like wearing a gigantic brooch or a hat with massive peacock feathers in it or a colossal banner that said in neon, it's me, the clever arty author on it. You know, it might just seem like the, the absolute pinnacle of pomposity and absurdity. I suppose what I'm getting at today is if you feel illegitimate, if you don't feel like a real writer, what I'm trying to convey to you, rather than, oh, you are a real writer, is it doesn't matter. We often set it up as this goal, this final refuge that one day we'll reach. It, this sense of identity, this sense of fusing with the identity of author, you'll, you'll, you'll get there and you'll suddenly feel real and secure in what you do. But I'm saying if you do that, you know, even if you do get there, then the identity just becomes one more thing to defend, to cling on to, to feel threatened by things that we perceive might damage it or take it away from us. You know, what if people find out I'm not a real writer? What if I lose my touch and I'm no longer a real writer? You wonder why so many people report feeling imposter syndrome? Is it exactly because of this? It's because we come up with an idea of what an identity is before we're actually living that life. Then we get to living that life and it still doesn't agree with what our preconceived notion of what the identity should feel like, which was based on absolutely fuck all, right? It was just based on guesswork. We hadn't lived that life, so we didn't know what it was like to be a writer. So we get to actually being a writer. It doesn't feel like we thought it was going to feel, so we've done something wrong. And so we decide we're still not a writer. It's nonsense, right? It's not a use... That a feeling legitimate is not a useful gauge of anything. It won't help you write. It won't help you enjoy stories. It might briefly... Uh, you know, embodying that that uh, that persona in a way that convinces others might briefly give you a certain social status, induce a kind of respect amongst a certain crowd of people. I can't deny that it is nice. It's very pleasant to talk to a room of people for 90 minutes straight unscripted about writing and have them all listen, have them all make a certain assumption that I'm worthwhile listening to. That's something I enjoy doing, but... Huh, you, I mean, like, honestly, I, I'm not sure in the long run it's actually that healthy. I think, again, for me at least, wanting to do that at all, wanting to do this even maybe, comes from a place of insecurity and anxiety. As long as I can sort of perpetually export entertainment and value to every human being in my environment, every human being that I encounter, whether in the real world or digitally, I'm safe. I'll be all right. But I mean, how, you know, this and this is where, you know, I come up against the kind of like vulnerable parts of myself. What if I what if I didn't do that? What if I wasn't attempting to entertain or give value to someone? Who am I then? So, who are you? Today we're going to have a bit of fun. <laughs> Woo! 
light-hearted. No, we really are a bit of an explorer to expand out that suite of identities. It's like I said way back at the beginning, in writing, we're not looking to alight on the one grand truth, but rather a range of parallel subjective truth, truths, different options for seeing the world. I play a lot of roles in my life. Uh, I'm a daddy. Uh, I mean, like, I, I should say, like, literally roles, not in my personal, private life. This isn't, it's not a kink thing. I mean, it, it's not. I sh maybe I shouldn't have started with the word daddy. That, that has connotations that maybe, I, anyway. Um, you know, I, I, but I have a lot of roles in my life. One of them is, you know, being being a dad. I'm a husband. I'm a son, a brother, an uncle, a, a grandchild, a friend, a writer, a teacher. Sometimes I'm to some when I'm a customer or a stranger in the street, a driver, a, a jogger. I aspire to be a runner, but let's be honest, right now I'm a jogger. To some people at some points, I, I, I'm a student, uh, a patient, a voter, an audience member. I'm a, I'm a Norwich resident. I'm a cis white male. I'm a podcaster, but I repeat myself. That, that, that's a joke about uh, white men starting podcasts, but actually it erases all the content creators who don't fall into that category so who's the douchebag now imaginary progressive person who hasn't fully thought through all the implications of their position um look so sometimes to some people i'm an overthinker uh, occasionally i might be a foreigner a mark a victim once i was a baby an embryo a toddler a pupil a great grandchild one day i might be a grandfather an ancestor a, a person who lived in early 21st century britain a corpse to a mosquito i might be dinner to a virus, a temporary host, to a book or a mask or a board game. I'm a kind of animating force, the breath of life. To a box of Maltesers, I'm, a, I'm an apocalyptic god. Patio sweeper, gong ringer, cold shower taker, podcast uploader, strange sump of forgotten unrepeatable dreams, bone suit, oblivious earthling, sleeper agent for the resistance. Open brackets, unactivated, close brackets, serial chef, touchscreen, text maestro, fragile library, temporary flesh mech, boy in a man costume, life support for an ear, world simulator. That's me. But who are you? So this can be a list exercise, but it doesn't necessarily have to be. You're you, after all, and you know the best way to answer that question. Your answers can be lit lit literal, me metaphorical, full of puckish mischief, or the taxonomic seriousness of a botanist. You might explain your identities with a story, or an essay, or a bombardment of roles like I did, or a sequence of images, or little vignettes of you viewed from different angles by different people. You might answer in terms of an of instrumental function or appearance. You might atomize yourself into a grab bag of parts or deliver a whole host of negations of what you're not. You might start from what you know and radiate out in centripetal spirals or 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 you dive into unknown territory, not quite understanding what you mean. Whatever you means. Who are you? Who are the yous? You know, like, riffle the tarot deck. Let's explore some options. OK, so with reassuring inevitability at this point, I'm going to give you 10 minutes. How could I give it to you? How can I give you time? It's already yours. Uh, but here I am anyway, sanctifying this space of time for you to work in. 10 minutes roller coastering through the many roles you play in your life. I 
suggest you try to keep a reasonable pace as you write this. Don't worry too much about finesse or slowing down or spotting errors. You know, no one's going to, no alarm is going to sound if you come out with a role that turns out later to not be very accurate. Just keep the words flowing and you can decide your favourite bits later. Are you ready? Three, two, one, go.
And there you go. How was that for you? Now, the purpose of this exercise isn't so much to grant you life-changing revelations into your own selfhood, although if that arose from the process, lovely, but I, I doubt it did. Actually, it's sort of about the beginning of a process whereby we appropriate some of the tools of autobiography to feed our fiction writing. By using yourself as a kind of test pattern, you can start to see all the different ways of relating to the world one of your fictional characters might have. The different expectations they face, the different ways of behaving they might adopt under different circumstances, the different people they are at different times and in different places. That can be a really useful way of deepening your understanding of who your protagonist is. It's also a great generator of plot and conflict. Which of these roles, because you can do this entire exercise with one of your protagonists, right? Just write out a list of all their roles at different times and take it as far as you can. And you can look and say, which of these roles do they feel most comfortable in? Which of these roles feels least like them? Then you can maybe place one identity under threat, you know, or you can force them into a situation where they have to embody one of their least favourite roles or, or maybe even create an entirely new one. You know, what roles did your protagonist used to have? And what happens if someone from their past arrives who tries to engage with them as if they still embodied one of those past roles? And these are all deep, revealing questions you can ask yourself about yourself. You know, what's what's a role that you used to have, that you used to feel comfortable in, that you wouldn't feel comfortable in at all today? What's your relationship like with that old version of you? You know, do you just feel like it's something you've outgrown? Or would you feel incredibly uncomfortable about it being brought up? Or do you look back upon it fondly? And with different roles, you might have different feelings and there's no right or wrong answer at all. I just feel like these are questions that you can use to generate plots for pretty much any genre, right? They're not like, I know when we talk about them, it sounds kind of like a little bit literary and psychological, but actually like these are a role from your, an older version of yourself appearing from your past and coming back into your life is like the wellspring of so many thrillers sometimes horror but you know fantasy as well or like a new role being thrust upon a character really common in fantasy so like these ideas are like evergreen ways of finding different ways into your stories in any case you know, like, I, I just I just feel like you, when you do this you, and you figure out some possible answers, you start to really enrich your ability to inhabit a fictional character and key into powerful, believable motivations that drive the engine of your story. Right. Let's stop there for today. I've waffled enough. Thank you for sticking with me. Great work. Let's talk again tomorrow. The 100 Day Writing Challenge is made possible with the kind support of Arts Council England.